0: actually are live but you actually are oh <laughs> yeah it does this it's crazy um i'm gonna pull this up on julio's page so i can see it all right we're live but on julio oh there's Gio right there oh yeah it does this all right so the, it is a delay and i'm gonna admit more people now because there's more people waiting in the wings pappy's place is waiting that's oh. we always want to make sure pappy's place gets in there oh yeah the troublemakers. I mean, I get my volume down on this so I can see. All right, everybody, welcome to Whiskey Wednesday. As you notice, I have a uh, I have a co-host with me today. How we doing? Big G is here, and he's going to go through. And I have Tim, the the tag team of Tim and Tim uh, from Beam are also here. Um, Tim Heisler is the American whiskey ambassador, and uh, Tim Greeley is. I don't know what Tim Greeley is. He's I'm a just, of my butt. But ride, a great but... guy. I'll go with a great guy. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> hey, that, that that were you saying I was number one? <laughs> no, that was a thumb. The, oh, okay. I just checked I would it. never no. Yeah.
1: I saved those for Randall Bird.
0: Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> I got more people out there. Let me admit those those people up there. But we're actually on uh, we're on Facebook Live. We're actually on Zoom mm-hmm. right now. We're going to be doing the presentation going through. So I will try to monitor both Zoom and Facebook Live for anybody that has any questions and uh, uh, interrupt Tim uh, sparingly, hopefully. And uh, so I'm here for it. Beautiful. you're here for it okay good
2: questions questions welcome I this, is gonna be a rollerco- co-
0: this is gonna be a roller coaster ride I'll encourage it right now all right so it's bourbon time everybody bourbon time is supposed to be between six and seven uh, we always start late because we're a day late and a dollar short um but uh we'll starting at about uh, about seven o'clock and uh i'm just gonna hand it right over to t- to Tim, uh, uh, which one I don't know, but I'm going to hand it over. I'll hand it over to Tim Greeley first. How's that?
1: Thank you, Ryan. I, I appreciate it. Just do a little introduction. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us in this beautiful Whiskey Wednesday. Um, I'm your, your local Beam guy, so just saying hi. You probably see me at events at Julio's in the past. Um, now here, at an event virtually. Um, so tonight is all about bourbon time, as Ryan mentioned. Um, Bourbon time is our new concept to kind of disconnect a little bit from the hyper availability of, say, Zoom meetings and work and all that type of thing that's been going on in the past year and reclaim that hour for yourself. Kind of ritualize a little bit, take some time to yourself and enjoy it. And one way that we like to enjoy time, uh, both alone and with family and friends, is with uh, good bourbon. So we've put together this bourbon time pack. Uh, It's a tri-pack of 375s, Uh, you have Jimmy Black in there, you have Basil Hayden, and you have Knob Creek 9-year-old. Now, for Julio's, we had to go a little bit over that, right? So um, the kit was also inclusive of a 375 of Antica Formula and a 375 of Maker's Mark. So really a very wide range of bourbons from our portfolio for you to sample through and play around with cocktails a little bit on. Now, I'm not an expert on any of this stuff, so that's why we brought in the big guns. Um, So I'm very proud to introduce Tim Heisler with us. Again, he's our American Whiskey Ambassador for the East Coast, so he is a true specialist of all these brands and everything they offer. So welcome, Tim.
2: Thank you. I appreciate it. It's easy working with the the Massachusetts team because everyone is named Tim. There's like four Tims up there, and then I show up, and it's just... He can't, he can't
0: you can't make it? Like you you make it sound like that's a good thing. But anyways, I digress. Go right ahead.
2: Tim Greeley is a great guy. You got so and you, and you said it yourself. So we know it's it's all good. Um, but what's up, yeah? I'm glad I'm glad to be here tonight. Um, based up in, or I'm based in New York, but I spend a ton of time in Boston. Once you know, travel comes back full swing. I'm up I'm up there uh, pretty frequently. So I got a brother up there, so I spent a lot of time up in up in Boston and in Massachusetts. So sight to get back, hopefully in the next month or so um but as Tim was saying you know we we have been so connected and you know to kind of to do a bourbon time on virtual kind of goes against the idea of bourbon time because the idea is to not be on virtual and not have any uh dings and buzzes and alarms going off um if you are a music fan and you're on Spotify if you type in bourbon time you'll find a bourbon time actual profile and we're featuring 18 bartenders from around the country and they put together one hour playlists that kind of bring you to their bar. So we're also spotlighting a lot of bartenders. It's really great, they're all over the place. All the playlists we put up so far have been super different. Uh, We spell bourbon with a six, like six urban, and then the time with a seven, seven IME. So six to seven is that bourbon time. But if you wanna get transported to some really cool kick-ass bars while you're at your house chilling, hopefully not looking at your phone or on Zoom, type in that bourbon time playlist, you'll find some really great stuff. But enough about bourbon time and music, let's start drinking, right? So uh, we do have uh, four different products in front of us tonight. So Tim and I both work for for Beam Suntory. And underneath that Beam Suntory umbrella, a whole bunch of different distilleries, right? Obviously, we got the James B. Beam Distilling Company. The first three whiskeys we're going to taste tonight come from the James B. Beam House. We also have the Maker's Mark Distillery. We also uh, have distilleries like Lafroig and Beaumont and El Tesoro Tequila, Covasier, if you're a cognac drinker, uh, if you're a Japanese whiskey drinker, of course, Yamazaki, Hakushu. So, we, we do have distilleries around the world, but we are focusing on all things American whiskey tonight, all things bourbon. Um, if I don't at least do the 101s of bourbon and kind of American whiskey and the, the guidelines that we have to follow, I'm, I'm certainly not doing my job. And, like I mentioned earlier, throw it in the chat bar on Facebook Live or on here, open to any questions that you may have. If, if I don't know the answer, I promise I won't lie to you. Uh, I'll just kick it over to Tim and he'll lie to you. And it's going to be great. And We're going we're gonna to figure it out um but so whiskey obviously a very very broad paintbrush stroke right whiskey means you're distilled from grain and you're put into a barrel you can make whiskey anywhere in the world You make it in scotland and ireland and canada Uh, but today we're talking bourbon so by law to be labeled as bourbon you pick up a bottle of bourbon you see bourbon on it you can you can infer a few things first thing you're gonna infer is that it was made in the united states of america biggest misconception is what we all have to be made in kentucky we do not Kentucky's home to about 95% of the world's bourbon, but legally you can make it in Massachusetts, you can make it in California, you can make it here in New York, um, but you gotta got be made in America. Rule number two, our mash bill, we all talk about mash bill, the grain we're gonna cook, ferment, eventually distill, uh, to turn into our white dog whiskey, has gotta be at least 51% corn. So the majority of grain's gotta be corn. At the Jim Beam house, our secondary grain, our flavoring grain is rye. We back it up with a bit of malted barley. At the Maker's Mark house, we talk about at the end, a little bit different, we take that rye out, we substitute wheat but corn's gotta be our base. Um, rule number three, I think arguably the most important one right here, brand new charred white oak barrels. We cannot reuse our barrels. We have one-time use on our white oak barrels. Um, that ensures we're getting the freshest of the char and all the flavors in there. When we're done with those barrels, obviously there's a huge resale market for it. I opened up by saying you can make whiskey anywhere in the world, right? So when we're done with these barrels, you wanna make Canadian whiskey, you wanna make tequila, you wanna make rum, you wanna make Irish whiskey, you wanna make scotch, you can reuse these bourbon barrels over and over and over again. We can only use them once. Coming off the still, as far as our brand new make, our White Dog Whiskey, can be no hotter than 160 proof or 80% alcohol. When we enter this barrel, no hotter than 125 proof. And last but not least, when we enter this bottle, no lower than 80 proof, 40% alcohol. You follow those guidelines, you are making bourbon whiskey. There's gonna be a quiz at the end of this. I hope y'all are taking notes. So now we all know what bourbon is. We are bourbon professionals. Uh, The first thing we're going to open up with tonight um, is, is, you know, you come down to the Jim Beam Distillery. We're in Claremont, Kentucky. So if you come into Louisville, we're about 35 minutes south of Louisville. Um, Currently, our distillery is under construction. So we are still operating. We're still producing whiskey 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, We only close one week a year in the middle of summer for shutdown. That's when we do, like, maintenance on our stills make sure everything's operating as 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 smoothly as as possible for such a large distillery. Um, Also, that time of year, the temperatures get so hot, it's the best time to shut down because we have a little trouble maintaining the consistency on our fermentation tanks. We do a three-day fermentation at the Jim B. Mouse. Anyway, we are shut down as far as uh, we're building a new craft distillery right now. So hopefully by September, we can welcome you all back, come down for a tour, check out our new restaurant, our new tasting room, our new guest experience. Um, It's it's Awesome. It's super exciting. Um, but if you come down there and you meet our, our seventh generation master distiller, his name is Fred No. Um, his father was Booker No. He created small batch whiskeys. When you talk about Bookers and Bakers and Knob Creek and Basil, Booker No created that. His son, Fred, is our current master distiller. Fred couldn't be here tonight. Um, so during quarantine, because I'm very lonely here in this just department of booze and, and stupid stuff, I made a, a little bobble Fred. So here's Fred in a bobblehead version. He agrees with everything I say. He's my best friend during quarantine. What's up, Fred? We're Going to drink some whiskey with Fred tonight.
0: That's how you know. That's what I
2: did during quarantine. What's up?
0: That's how you know he's not real. He agrees with everything you say.
2: Exactly. He said, Tam, you're so right, Tam. You're so right. He never would say it to me. He cusses like a sailor. He's always, yeah, I'm never right. If Fred's around, he reigns king. The first time I met Fred, I was a young bartender. Before joining Beam, young bartender. I bartended for 13 years. And Fred came into our bar in Philadelphia. I know Massachusetts saved your booze till the end of this. On Philadelphia, I get it. Um, but Fred came into our bar, and he taught me all about his family. He taught me how to drink bourbon. He taught me about his his father Booker uh, and kind of how he reinvented the the bourbon wheel, if you will. And I was I was I was hooked on American whiskey. And then you know, fast forward ten years later, very blessed to have joined the company and and now gets to represent his family and all the brands that they, that they create, which is it's a it's a dream job, I'm not gonna lie. But I asked Fred in 2010 when I first met him, 2010, I think. I said, What do you drink at home, Fred? So you make all these badass whiskeys. What do you drink at home? What's the hometown hero? And he said, without blanking, he said, we drink Jim Bean Black. He said, This is, and you can, well, my bottle's getting very low. Look at how low that bottle is. This one gets hit pretty often in this house. Um, so I drink Jim Bean Black. So it's 86 proof. It's uh extra age. We do it, we do a blend of about five to eight-year-old barrels to create bean black. And I remember, you know, as a young bartender, I was like, Fred's probably just trying to convince me to drink more Bean Black, right? That's why I came to our bar, to tell all the bartenders I drink, drink Bean Black, now we're gonna start drinking Jim Bean Black. Well, I will tell you, first time I went to Fred's house to start working for the company in 2017, I went to Fred's house for dinner and I all I did, I was just waiting to watch Fred to see what he picked up. I was like, what is Fred gonna pour for himself? Because I remember very well what he told me. And sure enough, where's the cabinet? out well, Jim Bean Black, glass ice cubes, poured himself a big old Jim Bean Black. And I said, Fred, you know, when I met you 10 years ago, you told me you drink Jim Bean Black at home, and I didn't believe you. And he said, Tim, why though? Could I lie to you? I'm not going to curse yet because I didn't start drinking yet. And I said, Great point, Fred. You done, I didn't think you would lie to me. And he wasn't lying to me. So we're going to pour ourselves a little bean. He,
0: he only does that when he has company.
2: Right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> so when yes.
0: you're not there, you see what he drinks.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, so, well, him and Freddie and his son, his son Freddie, know he's gonna be our eighth generation. This is this is again, if it's something you're gonna be having, we got obviously a few drinks that have a barbecue in the backyard. This was this was their go-to. So, first thing Fred always taught me to do before we get into nosing and tasting this whiskey is take a look at the color on this. Right. So you gotta understand when we when we first where are we at? This is day one right here. This is a Jim Beam white dog. Look at that. There's no color. You know why? We can't add any caramel coloring or flavoring, still label this as bourbon. We get 100% of that color from that barrel, 100% of it. So the color that you're gonna see in your whiskey is gonna tell you two things. One, it's gonna give you an idea of maybe how long it sat in that barrel. Obviously the longer it sat in the barrel, the more robust the color. The other thing it might give you a hint at is the proof or the alcohol content. Now I mentioned to legally call bourbon, you can fill your barrels at no higher 125 proof. There's a few reasons for that. One, creating a great whiskey is finding your balance of grain and barrel, right? We want to taste that grain, that corn, that rye, the malted barley. If you start distilling to a much higher proof, you lose all the uh, grain quality. You're not making grain-neutral spirit, aka vodka. We're not making vodka. We want to taste this corn and this rye and this malted barley. So it's finding the balance of your grain and your barrel. So 125 proof is, is the legal max for a flavoring reason, but more importantly, because if you put over 125 proof alcohol into a wooden container, into a wooden warehouse in a lightning stricken part of the country, we've seen warehouse fires, right? we've seen what happens. So it's also because we don't just want to create bombs and put them in warehouses. So that's the other reason 125 proof is the legal max. So when we dump these barrels out before we bottle it, they're not at exactly 86 proof or 43% alcohol. We need to add some deionized water to bring it to its bottling strength. So, the more water you add, obviously the lighter the color is going to get. So, if you take a look at your color of your whiskey, maybe it's going to give you an idea of how long it's had in that barrel, or it might give you an idea of the proof. Did we add a good amount of water to bring the proof down before bottling it? So, this is like a nice uh, light gold, um, you know, slightly amberish orangish color to it. We don't always just like to say brown because. I mean, that doesn't tell you much, right? So really take a look at the color on it. Um, as you nose your whiskey, always keep your lips open, right? If you if you keep your, if you're like a big wine drinker or a beer drinker, I, I certainly like all those things as well. If you're going to nose those things and you really get your nose in there and you get a big old like, like that, well, you can do that with a 12% wine or a 5% beer. But if you have a 43% glass of ethanol, you're going to kill your sense of smell. If you can't smell, you can't taste. Um, everyone watches Top Chef. Everyone watches chef cooking shows and everyone during quarantine is a professional chef now. Everyone makes pasta from scratch and sourdough bread. We're all professional chefs now. Um, if you can't smell, you can't taste. You taste five things, sweet, salty, sour, bitter, umami. Aromatics, caramels, vanillas, oak, corn, banana, citrus. These are aromatics, these are things you smell. So very important to keep your sense of smell clean and refreshed as you go into a tasting. So keep your lips open, helps to circulate your breathing. And you get a good idea of what that's gonna nose like, it might give you a good idea what's gonna taste like as well. And as we chew it, Fred always taught us to do the Kentucky chew. So you want to roll this whiskey around, you want to let it hit the sides of your cheek and the roof of your mouth, the back of your tongue, kind of it's not the most attractive thing to chew your whiskey, but we're all best friends because we're on Zoom and Facebook Live now. So friends, drinking with friends now. Tim's Tim's agreeing with me. I can see Tim nodding his head. Thank you, Tim. I think that's just him chewing. And this for me, this is a great representation of what Fred and his family have been doing for 225 years. In 2020, we celebrated 225 years of whiskey making under the last name Beam. It started with Jacob Beam in 1795. Um, and, and the reason we see that last name change, so Jim, mm-hmm. our man Jim, got us through Prohibition. His son T. Jeremiah was our uh, our fifth generation master distiller. He had no children. He was our first global ambassador. He's the reason Jim Beam's the number one bourbon in the world. It's exported in Japan and Europe and Australia, and it's, it's everywhere, right? Um, T. Jeremiah helped... Create that, and he had no kids. So when he was hanging up the boots, he handed it off to his nephew, Booker No, and that's where we see a last name change. And again, Booker No helped create a Small Batch. If you pick up a bottle of White Label, you can see all seven. Uh, the lighting's not great. There's seven pictures on this side of this. It's all seven generations master distillers there. And uh, once Fred, you know, he's not he's not there yet, but his son freddy is quickly coming up as a. It's not a master distiller, but he's certainly a distiller, and he's a. Uh, Badass one at that. So really excited to see him to start to kind of come into his his own at the, at the distiller, which is great. So I think Bean Black is a great representation of Kentucky-shaped bourbon, right? This is, this is it's, it's something you can have a few glasses of if you want to do a plus one. If you're like a, a bourbon and ginger drinker or a bourbon highball drinker, I love using Bean Black. Throw a few ice cubes at it. Um, again, when I was part this, quickly became our, our house bourbon for like our old fashions. Not gonna lie, I was certainly had a lot to with Fred coming in and drinking with us that day pre-shift. But I mean, his energy's contagious, and I said, "All right, well, being Black it is." But this was one that was cool because people would come in and they would say, "I drank, I only drink some of the 10-year age statement. I, I've had every bourbon under the sun." And I would say, "Close your eyes," and I reach in my well and I pull out Beam Black. I give him a little taste. They'd say, "Damn, that's really good." I'm like Beam Black, and it's I don't, I'm not sure. I think in Massachusetts, probably. Tim, what's the what's the price in Mass right now? Is it twenty? I don't want to say the wrong thing. It's a little
0: different every state. Ooh, that's a gun to my head question. Sorry. <laughs> I think I think I think the bottom I got. We don't usually beer. do the 1.75. So the 750s are a little bit different on,
2: on that one. Okay. Line.
0: They're like uh, because the the number one here in Massachusetts would be white label.
2: Mm. Great. So I like white label too. Beer and shot. That's me all day. Yeah.
0: No, no, it's a, in it in being black, we we we're finally getting people to actually um, delve into the beam black. Cool. now.
2: Well, welcome to it, everybody. Where have you been? You know, playing catch up now.
0: Yeah, you so know, you is- say that and then there's no
2: being black now. Thank uh, come you. Know? Up, Thank, come you. Up- Thank you to keep your mouth shut, sir. Come up to Brooklyn. My local, my local store has got a case of it. I just, I just, I'm going to restock as, as you can tell. Cause. Whoa. Yeah. I was getting down there. So. Case of it. I'll see. I mean. Not- Killing I mean, pallets, my friend. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean. <laughs> Small store in Brooklyn. They don't have the square footage you got gotcha. there. Let's be honest. They gotta have one row. Boom, boom, boom. So $25. Yeah, a little different square footage here. Uh so beam black. Any questions on uh the 101s? 25 bucks, 750. Thank you. I was gonna say 24. So 24 and 25, a dollar off. I'm right there. I'm right there. I
0: still 23.99 is not a price, 24.99 is.
2: <laughs>
0: Marketing 101, sir.
2: Marketing 101. I was so close. So close. I think I'm on the marketing team technically too, so I probably should know that quickly. But you know, COVID. I don't know. You,
0: you remember. <laughs> dying over there. The other. T- I'm going to call him now. The other Tim. The other Tim's dying over there. He's
2: dying. I know. Whatever. This isn't being recorded, is it? Oh, it is. Okay, that's fine. If I haven't gotten fired oh, for yet, evidence all these-
0: purposes, yes, it
2: is. If I've been fired yet after all these recorded calls, I don't think it's happening. So, woo! Way to go. All right, there we go. Um. <laughs>
0: Listen, Tim you're fine. Tim Greeley is still with the company. You'll be fine. Don't worry about it.
2: Tim Greeley's still with the company. We're doing okay. Doing okay, everybody. Uh, so our pallets are warmed up. We got our 101s down. We are feeling nice. We got the bean black flowing. Call that the Kentucky hug when it hugs you from the inside out as you're warming up on your first glass of the night. And if it's your second or third glass of the night, no judgment. Okay, I say here. that's
0: the 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 covid release but uh, then uh uh oh there it goes. Then uh Facebook will automatically give me tell me that all the information I got to
2: go look up. But, <laughs> but yeah, if it's if it's your second glass like I said, you know. Well, then you're then you're then you're on par with a lot of other people I'm sure. Uh second one we're going to be tasting this evening. Basil Hayden's. This is uh a nutso, and I got my little 375 here. This is one um I mentioned Booker No. I mentioned the creation of small batch whiskeys. And when we when we talk about small batch, I think it's very important to, to point out that when you look at a bottle and you see bourbon, we talked about what identifies bourbon. When you see the word straight, straight means that you've been aged in a barrel for at least two years. You, you can put bourbon in a barrel and you can roll it down a hill, let it sit there for a week, dump it out and still call it bourbon. Can't call it straight bourbon. Um, and it's probably gonna look and taste a lot like this. Not very good. It's okay. It's not as good as this stuff, right? It's that barrel that really adds all the flavor to it. When you say small batch, small batch has no governing, um, like there's no there's no legal go- governance over that. So small batch, and we just I just said I'm on the marketing team, it's a marketing term. So when Booker created small batch though, what he was doing is he's looking at our warehouses, and our warehouses are they're huge, they can hold 20 to 50, 50,000 barrels pl- plus. We don't rotate our barrels, so he was finding certain flavors of barrels and certain styles of whiskey that were coming out of particular areas of the warehouse. And with that, he was blending smaller batches of barrels to create small batch whiskey. Basil Hayden's 80 proof this also is a, d- a slightly different mash bill compared to our other whiskeys. It's a high rye bourbon. So, I talked about our, our corn, our rye, our malted barley. Basil Hayden's is going to have. Twice as much rye going into the mash bill compared to something like Jim Beam or Knob Creek. Um, but small batch, you know, we, the, the way I describe small batch is it, it means it, it's more than one and it's less than all. Okay, so Julia's, you can get a lot of single barrels, a lot of great single barrel picks. It's exactly that. It's a single barrel. Every barrel is going to mature a little bit differently. It's not all of our barrels. Obviously, it's not all of our barrels. At, at our distilleries right now, we're sitting on over 2.2 million barrels of maturing product, and we still don't have enough. So thank you for everyone for being out here and drinking bourbon with us because we, 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 we're we selling a lot of it and we literally, we're still trying to keep up. That's why we're building a new craft distillery. Um, so Basil Hayden's, like I said, High Rye bill adds a little bit of um, slightly different, like lighter spice to it. It's bottled at 80 proof. So this to me, this is like, this is super approachable. This is a gateway bourbon. I've, you know, I'm always gonna go back to my bartending days. A lot of people come in and said oh, I drink. I drink Irish whiskey. I drink a lot of Canadian whiskey. I want to like, you know, American whiskey you get start to get into bigger, bolder flavors because of that brand new barrel. And this for me was always a great stepping stone. This is also something I think like if I'm going over to the boss's house, like if I'm going over to Tim Greeley's house for dinner and they say, you got to bring a bottle of bourbon. This is a great one to bring over. If you're not sure if everyone's the experienced bourbon drinkers love it. And then the, the, the newcomers love it. And it's 80 proof. Right. So we're not, you know, you start showing bottles of Booker's to someone's house party and they're like, eh, like someone's not going to work tomorrow and someone's going to get in trouble. Right. Booker's is the pajama drinking whiskey. I right? have your pajamas on. It's going to put your ass to bed. Basil at 80 proof. This is certainly that approachable, welcoming. Uh, someone walks in a bar and say, Hey, I need, I need five bourbon on the rocks. This to me was such an easy grab because, because it is refined. It's well-rounded. Um, mm-hmm. This to me also like spring and summertime, like this for me, it's got, a little bit more kind of grass notes to it if you're if you're doing cocktails at home can you make old fashions in manhattans with basil hayden's sure would i say it's my top choice no because it's lower proof if you're going to mix uh whether it's vermouths and bitters and citruses and ice and all these things i put i like to lean into more of your springtime drinks so think of like something with fresh herbs or some fresh citruses or some or like high balls maybe something with some bubbly water like this is going to play really well in that category and not get lost you can get lost in some of those bigger louder cocktails um, because it is a lower proof whiskey so give give the basil a little nose a little, this is i think tim said he was opening up with a single barrel i i usually open up with something like this because it is lower proof and uh and because it's the middle of the week. If it was Friday, I'd probably be stepping up with something a little heavier. But I started middle of the week and going a little, little lighter, a little lighter to start off my night. You get some people just, just this is your in. morning
0: drinking whiskey for everybody else. Because like you can't drink all day unless you start in the morning. It's great. So this Jack. is your morning, your morning drinking
2: whiskey. Morning. Good morning. Drinking whiskey. So if, if after tonight, there's still one of your glasses with a little left in it, and it's this one, you're good to go for Thursday morning. You're going to be great. Wake up and you kick it back and there's your, there's your, there's your good morning, people. Uh, Basil Hayden's, I can tell you, um, the reason I can, I can say this, because I talk, I talk a lot about the legality of these things, but our, our label, or our new, our new Basil Hayden's product is gonna launch in June. It's called Basil Hayden's Toast. It's not out yet, but it's gonna get launched later this year. Um, it's a brown rice bourbon. So with that, we're we're eliminating that rye component. So it's still bourbon, still majority corn. Kick that rye out. We're now using brown rice as our secondary grain and still a bit of malted barley. And we're finishing this brown rice bourbon in a, in a level one char toasted barrel. We're going to talk a bit about char and barrels on our, on our next tasting. Really cool that, innovations.
0: Um, uh, excuse me, Tim. Is that, yeah. is that based on the series of, of um, bourbons that uh, Beam did uh, they had the red, red rice. They had the brown rice
2: signature series. Uh, signature series signature, I think it was, you yeah. Jim Beam signature craft. Yep. Absolutely. So that was something that Booker did, you know, a bit before hit, you know, I'd say before a lot of, a lot of people were expecting it. We did a brown rice bourbon. We did a, a triticale. We did an oat. Um, I think most of them came out at like 10 or 11 years old and they were under the, the Jim Beam signature line, three, seven fives, not gonna lie. They're a little pricey. And those all, I think they came out in like 20, uh, 2009, 2010, I'd have to look it up, but a little bit before its time, and definitely people weren't really sure what the hell they were looking at. Um, Freddie Jr., uh, he has taken a lot of notes out of Booker's book, if you will. And that brown rice signature craft was and is still awesome. If you can find a 375 of it, I have one somewhere in this apartment, I don't know where it is, it might be in the other room, but... Um, if you can find the brown rice 11-year signature craft that was released again like 10 years ago, there's still some stores that are sitting on it. It's a, it's a really cool expression. Freddie wanted to redo this brown rice series um, and, again, finish in a toasted barrel, bottled at 80 proof. It's called Basil Hidden's Toast. So it's released latest year. here. Keep your eyes out for it. It's really cool and definitely, a, um, uh, i like to say, a bit more of a polished stone compared to, to maybe Basil Hayden's, right? So we're, we're polishing up a little bit, still very welcoming. Um, that toasted barrel adds another kind of level of brightness to it. The brown rice rounds it out. It's really, it's a really cool product. So I um, know just one of the innovations that Freddie's been working on and he's been working on a lot. Um, so really, really psyched to see that one come out um, because with this Basil Hayden's brand, you know th- these came out in 1992. Uh, so Basil Hayden's, Knob Creek, Bakers and Booker's, all late eighties, early nineties, and we haven't done like a ton of innovation with them, so Freddie's really starting to push the envelope. And you know, p- paying a lot of tribute, yes, to his grandfather Booker, um, but staying true to the the brand's kind of identity. So that's 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 a cool one coming down the road. Um, any questions coming in on the on the Facebook Live over there? How are we doing? Am I missing anything? I feel like I'm I got my chat bar open. I'm not seeing anything yet. How's yeah, no,
0: the- everybody's doing pretty good. I just checked Facebook Live. We're actually good on that too.
2: Cool. Right on. That so means I'm I'm saying things coherently. So there we go. People are staying. Typically, once the whiskey starts flowing, is when the questions start flowing. Uh, so
0: uh, Jim Greeley's still awake, so we're all right.
2: Perfect. That's, a great <laughs> um, so we talked basil, we talked mash bill, right? We talked about that high ride content, we talked proofing, we talked about alcohol content. Um with knob creek, I like to talk all about the barrels. So nine years old, knob creek nine years old, 100 proof. So if everyone wants to, for a moment, take a second and think about what you were doing nine years ago. You don't need to put in the chat bar. You don't need to say if it was embarrassing. A lot has happened in nine years, right? A lot of things have changed in nine years. All this did was sit in a barrel in a warehouse and wait till today for us to drink it. It's quite remarkable how much time it takes to create some of these flavor profiles and to create these whiskeys um it doesn't happen overnight like i said if i could open this and pour you all a taste of this brand new make whiskey i probably wouldn't do it but if you come to our distillery we'll do it for you there but it's just you know it's like ethanol and captain crunch right it's you got your grain and you got your alcohol it's this barrel that really imparts all this color and all these flavors now we don't make our own barrels we source our barrels from independent stave company Which the majority of bourbon producers are sourcing from another cooperage. Most of them is independent state company. Independent state company has been family owned since 1912 by the Boswells. Remarkable, remarkable cooperage. Type it into your Google search. They have cooperages all over the world now. They got them in Australia and in Asia, um, in Europe. They're they're everywhere. They don't exclusively do whiskey barrels. They also do wine barrels. Um, But if you come down to Kentucky and you go on the Kentucky on the bourbon trail. Independent Safe Company is not listed as one of the like bourbon trail tour stops because they don't make bourbon. And I will tell you, it is worth the stop. It's one of my favorite tours. It is fast, it is hot, it is loud, and they don't answer questions and you can't take pictures. And I love it because it's family owned, it's all proprietary. So they did not that you and I could walk in there, snap a picture and recreate what they're doing. I promise you, we can't because they've been doing it for so long, but a really remarkable place. So we talk about our barrels. We got to talk about our trees, brand new white oak. We source our white oak, obviously, from the Ozarks region of the United States. It's about mm, 12 to 14 states that we kind of source all of our white oak from. Um, the trees themselves are about 80 years old before we cut them down. Each tree, if anyone wants to type this in the chat bar, how many barrels do you think we yield per tree, per 80, roughly 80-year-old 80 white oak tree? How many barrels do you think we get? Let me see what my chat bar. People are throwing any numbers in there. I'll wait for a few Tim says a half a barrel, half a barrel. Oh my God. That's crazy. That's the, that's the least sustainable thing I've ever heard of.
0: I see five. I see
2: what Tim Greeley says. That's all I I can say. I see
1: three. I see. I went for three and while we're on trees, I believe we just uh, committed to planning what 300,000 a year going forward, Tim, something like that.
2: Uh, Was that in a corporate communication that I probably glanced at? Yeah, it was one of those. Marcus. We're, we're, we're being more green. It's a Mark good. Is red. We are all about sustainability. We have to be. And when it comes to the barrels, when it comes to water without those things,
0: Billy's, Billy's actually hedging, hedging his bed. He said eight and 20,
2: eight and 20. <laughs> well, I'll let everyone know we get about two and a half barrels per 80 year old tree. So Greeley was pretty spot on. I feel like Greeley's been on that tour before though. I can keep my job. All right. It's him. What I'll say is that white oak is extremely sustainable and the, and the, and the foresting techniques that we've, not we, Independent State Company and their farmers have created, uh, white oak populations actually increased in the past 10 years. I did not understand how that's possible. And I remember on a tour, I said, listen, like we're, we, are, we are filling more barrels. There's more distilleries filling more barrels now with the, bur- the bourbon and rye boom. How is that possible? And he said, Do you, like when it comes to white oak in general though, the bourbon industry is only responsible for probably using about 5% of the country's white oak. And I was also kind of, I was like, well, what else? I mean, give me some examples. And he just looked at me, he said, how many people do you know that have a barrel? And of course I'm thinking about that in my brain. He goes, how many people do you know that have a door? I'm like, oh, good point. Cause to get into my apartment in New York, there's about eight of them. So that makes total sense, right? So, uh, but ex- white oak is extremely, extremely sustainable. So we cut- I have barrels. Out. I have Sorry? lots of barrels. Does. You have lots of barrels. Yeah. You do, and we appreciate it. But most do not. Let's see yeah. Most people in the United States do not. So um, cut these trees down. And again, I mentioned this char. You have to char these barrels. But before we do that, we have to season them. Because if you try to start a fire with a brand new, freshly cut down tree, what happens? Nothing, right? So we take these trees. We cut them into the staves. And we literally just let them sit outside an independent stave company um, for about two months two to four months, they just sit outside, open air. Um, it's called seasoning. There's another less romantic word called rotting, right? A lot of the tannin is gonna fall out of the wood, which is great for the flavor of our whiskey. And when we go to char that barrel, so when we bring these staves inside, these are hand raised, these barrels are hand raised, right? This is, there's machines to get like the hoops around them and roll them down the assembly line, but this 30, 30 to 33 stave combination to make this 53 gallon liquid type barrel, that's raised by hand. Teams of two. So as you walk into this into the cooperage, you'll see about 20 teams of two assembling these, these, these barrels. And we're going to steam it. Uh, so it's going to get the, the nice shape on it. So we can get the rings around it and eventually make that liquid, liquid and airtight seal. There's no glue involved. Um, we we kiln dry it, eventually it's going to get to where it gets charred. So I mentioned a level four char for our beam barrels. It's about a 45 to 60 second open flame hit. And uh, all the wood sugars that remain in that wood as the flame hits it, they rush to the surface and they caramelize, right? And that's where that char is. So the char on top right here, as our whiskey matures with this for the nine years to create something like Knob Creek, the char acts like a filtration device. Char removes things like sulfur, okay? You don't want to pick up a glass of whiskey and go, my God, sulfur, Mm," right? No, no, we don't want that. Char helps remove that. Behind the char, there's a red layer. The red layer is where the sugar is. And as the whiskey breathes in and out of that barrel, summertime, wintertime, summertime in, wintertime chill. Summertime into the barrel, wintertime chill. It interacts with that red layer. That's where we get our caramels, our vanillas, those, real, those, those robust aromatics and the color uh, and the body that we're looking for in this whiskey. So nine years in that barrel, interact with that char and that red layer. And we dump those barrels out um bring it down to 100 proof 50 alcohol this i'll say as far as like our small batch whiskeys this is like our gold standard right and again i'm always going to go back to my bartender days this is what i'm saying you're making old fashions you're making manhattans you're making boulevardiers, you're doing some cool some cool riffs on some classics this will stand up to a lot of those other ingredients because of the age on it because of the proof on it it's a bigger bolder Harder earned flavor, if you will. Right. You can't, you can't recreate this tomorrow. That's why we see allocations. That's why we sometimes are out of it. That's why sometimes there's not enough of it. So.
0: I remember the empty bottle, uh, uh, shipments of, uh, several years ago, I got, we're waiting for more Knob Creek to be ready. And, um, just so people understand this. And I don't, I don't know if enough people do because there's a lot of stuff that, um, that's getting difficult to find and you can't find it on the shelf and um, everybody's trying to hunt things down. This is the sleeping giant on the shelf. Uh, Knob Creek nine year old. And then some of the knob Creeks like we do single barrels and the knob Creek one twenties and stuff like that. Especially those, these are the things that actually, um, everybody's searching for stuff when there's something on the shelf that hits the nail on the head. For most people, once they once they um, uh, give up their prejudices on on what they should be drinking and actually pick up a bottle of it, um, because this is one of those type of, of, of bourbons that's really sort of undiscovered. I think once uh, people start realizing the consistency and the flavor profiles of this whiskey, as people try it, they will understand that all those other ones you're looking for are at about the same age. Some are even actually a little bit younger than this. Sure. And so let's take the age thing out of it. It's it, but it's showing nine on the label now. So they're all over that. And it's a hundred proof. So um, for the relative cost and price uh, for the flavor profile, this is a very underappreciated bourbon that's out there right now.
2: And I, and I, I appreciate you, you, you saying that. Cause I, I'm not supposed to say that when I do these, I, I don't want to like, Compared to other brands on the shelves, because I just like to represent Knob Creek as Knob Creek, but I, I will not argue on that. Again, this is a brand that's been around since 1992, and a lot of shadows have been cast over it. Although it never left the shell. I mean, it, again, there are sometimes you ran out of it, but it's it's. This was one of the things that again reinvented that bourbon wheel. I mean, without brands like Knob Creek, and Booker's and Bakers, we wouldn't see a lot of the other brands that have rolled out after that. Um, And because we are our last, our
0: last, our last barrel that we put out this, the rule of three was called the rule of three. And it was one twenty. The rule of three was our first nine-year-old in a while. We have been doing 13s, 14s and 15 year olds, which were just Mm -hmm. hidden, hidden gems. If you didn't take advantage of that, uh, I don't know what to say to you, but, um, and people were like, well, now it's only going to be nine. only going to be nine. When you uh, rule of three, which is our first nine-year-old, that came out this thing was i think it's out now Are we out now oh, G? completely gone completely gone yeah. that was a killer we got we have I, I will tell everybody that we have several coming out um we have picked a, a, a barrel we should have a barrel coming in mm-hmm. tim's tim's looking at me with a wide eye now we should have some more barrels coming in of that too so
1: we do you've got a couple coming the turnaround time hasn't been great um but inventory in general a lot of things has been really trying right now but yes they're working on them um i think we should get them thinking like july if not earlier
0: and then we also uh just for everybody's information we've also picked uh we've also picked some rye too we have some really cool ryes coming we have uh apple of my rye is coming and, yeah, you don't like that it's, one?
1: It's my favorite
0: name. <laughs> apple and, my and it does have a green like apple flavor to it. It's really, actually really cool. And I forgot what we named the other one, but it's another uh, take on, on rye. Yeah, I got to remember. What uh, was apple of my rye? And what was the other one? I got to figure. I'll look it up yeah. while we're doing this. But go ahead. I, I, I digress. But there's one of those type of things that you could find on the shelf that you don't have to search for that's been consistently... Um, good.
2: Uh, thank you. Yeah, it's it's definitely like I said, it's been one of the kind of gold standards for for the for the Jim Beam Distillery as far as our whole portfolio is concerned because we don't make just the brands we're talking about tonight. You know, we make uh, Old Overholt and we make Old Granddad and we you know obviously we make McBean and Baker's and all these other things. And I think Bob Creek, bang for your buck, dollar value um, for the true bourbon, you know, aficionados, and, and you're looking for that flavor, you're, you're relying on that flavor, um, you can't, you just, you just can't beat it. And it's certainly, I'll say like, um, uh, you know, if I'm at like post dinner, I'm at a bar or restaurant, um, or even at the house, it's like my goods. I don't even think about it. It's just Knob Creek and an ice cube. It just, it's been consistent and I love it. And I, it's, um, yeah, like you said, one one you shouldn't have to fight for, and one that your hopefully local watering hole just has behind the bar. Because at your distillery, we've been been pretty good at keeping up with the not Creek production, but we run into gaps. You know, sometimes we. Right, we do but
0: they're but they're 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 short lived, and um, I love the fact that we're back on at least nine years old and stuff like the other one. By the way, the other one was called is, and I should have remembered this because it was, it's it's in your face, and it's called Face Rye
2: nice
0: um so the 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 two bourbons we got coming out is is z palindrome and the other one is 24 7 always open but we did like beam did and the 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 two is a z so we did the opposite way instead of making a letter um a number we made a number a letter so it's z it's 24 7 always open is the other one so
2: Dig so it. There you
0: go. Those are the four barrels we got coming in off that for this year.
2: Very cool. Hopefully when, hopefully when I'm up there, like I said, it should be up there next month and I'll definitely be popping by. So I'll try to try to grab one. Cause right, right. here is is my, my Creek using. Oh, we'll tell, well
0: tell Tim to get them to us. Cause they're still sitting in Kentucky.
2: <laughs> oh, now I'm In trouble again. Uh, well, what else, what else do I do? On oh, it? and by the I... way, just so
0: everybody does, does know, we do have another, uh, we have it in stock right now. We have the, um, our maker's mark private select is, is in uh, the one we have, but we do have one, we do have another one coming. um, And that one is going to be now called the mystery machine. Uh, There is a change now in the, in the stave combinations that are now available uh, are changing. So we'll be picking a new one coming up, but we are grandfathered in our old stave combination. So, uh, there is definitely no one can do another one that's the mystery machine now. Um, because uh, they could only do it if they had it before, so no one's going to have that anymore. So, we're gonna, we're gonna continue that one. I, I was thinking of maybe going the mystery machine and then doing maybe Thelma, uh, <laughs> uh or, or uh, Freddy and uh, or, or Scoob or Shag. I'm not sure, we'll see how that goes, but it is the it is the mystery machine, is the next one out.
1: Hey Ryan, I just checked it on those Knob Creek barrels. We're looking, uh, we're looking mid June. So sorry to freak you out with the July
2: estimate. Oh, that's better. Yeah, much better. Mid June, not too far. Perfect. Not too far. Not too far. Hopefully, hope Well, I was gonna say, hopefully, the bottles you got for well, tonight. Let's will see if
0: our wholesale to get them in. That's when they'll be ready.
2: So <laughs> when I come into town, I'm just Can gonna go. come we'll up. Coming right end. along. Let's go. <laughs> I'm gonna drive up. I'm gonna drive up with four barrels in the trunk of my non-existent car because they don't give me one of those. So. Just Ooh, the no. company will pick it up. Come on. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'll take an Uber. It's fine. Um, I
0: actually right, do so. want to know. I do want to know because we have um, you know, we have people ob- obviously on um, Facebook Live, but I got 13, 14 people on on the Zoom. At, ha- what did you guys think of Knob Creek? Had you had it in a while? Have you have you never had it? Or is it a regular regular pour for you, for you? Thumbs up from Felicia
2: hb cast what's up yeah i see logan double fisting
0: oh yeah people got up oh yeah I, it is one of those uh, it really is the people who know buy it i mean they just they just shut up and go over to the shelf pick it up <laughs> and walk out while everybody's asking me if i have something in stock and when i say no they walk out the door
2: <laughs> we will we will uh we will, we will, the other brands that shall remain nameless that they're asking you for. But Knob Creek, hopefully, you can just always, always go there.
0: Okay. So, sorry, not following the last discussion. Does Julio's bottle store products from other distillers' barrels?
2: So, I think, John, what you're asking is, just, I think, are you looking for single barrels? Is that what you're asking about? So, I think a, a lot of what we were just chatting about is, is Julio's single barrel selection. So, we, we, yeah from Knob Creek, we will, we will, when I talk about Knob Creek 9-year, this is, this is a, a blend of barrels. We take about, let's say about 300 barrels to create a batch of something like this Knob Creek 9-year. When you look at Julio specifically, we offer single barrel programs to Julio's and some other liquor stores, or maybe a handful of bars. We'll actually bring samples of individual barrels because every barrel matures a little bit differently. They taste through these barrels. They pick out the exact barrel that they want we dump that barrel out. We process it and bottle it individually. We bottled 120 proof. So our bourbons bottled at 120 proof. Our single barrel rise, our barrel at 115 proof. So and he's, yeah, so I think I cleared up. But so that's something that we we,
0: we, do, we do do the uh, barrel picking down at Knob Creek too when we can.
2: Right. So uh, we we, had, we weren't able to do it, it this
0: year. So we had we had uh, uh, Tim sent us up some uh, some sample packs so we could go through it. But a lot of times, we'll, we pick those down in Kentucky.
2: Yeah. Um, but moving into, I know that the final one that we're going to be tasting tonight is Maker's Mark, another one that I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with. Um, I mentioned under the Beam Centauri umbrella, we have the James B. Beam Distilling Company in Claremont, Kentucky. You go about an hour away from there, you get down to Loretto, Kentucky. Loretto, Kentucky is where Maker's Mark is. So both of those distilleries, underneath I mean, the Beam Centauri kind of larger scope um different distillery obviously opened up in the 1950s 1953 by the samuels family talked a bit about mashville a bit about grain at the makers mark distillery again we're following the bourbon guidelines majority corn makers mark is what's known as a weeded rye so i'm sorry a, weed, a weeded bourbon so it's majority corn backed by soft red winter wheat and a bit of malted barley the reason they chose to use wheat is wheat is a little bit softer it's a little bit sweeter so Rye can lean on the dry and, and slightly spicy side, depending on how you distill it and how you, how you cook it. Um, but with Maker's Mark, you should be getting into a um, slightly slightly rounder. Um, and again, we should really not pick up any dry notes in this, so uh, just a, maybe a touch sweeter. Um, super iconic packaging, obviously. You know, Every bottle is still dipped by hand. This iconic red wax. One thing I like to call it on this label, um, people will argue is whiskey spelled with an EY or just a Y? And my response is, I don't care because I know what you're getting at. You're getting that whiskey. So if you are made in Scotland or Ireland or Japan or America or Canada and you write whiskey, I know what you mean. It means scraped, just great distilled from grain and you're put into, a, put into a barrel. Bourbon spells it EY. In the United States, we spell it EY. Maker's Mark is one of the exceptions. Maker's Mark. Drops that E and they spell it. So this is some good bar trivia. You go into your favorite whiskey bar and someone's going, I know everything about bourbon. Bah, bah, bah. They probably do or they probably don't. So you know the one bourbon that doesn't spell E-Y that everyone knows about? Mark. The reason is the Samuels family, their distilling lineage, their family heritage goes back to distilling in Scotland. And so when Bill Samuels created this label, he wanted to kind of pay a little tribute to his ancestors that were distilling in Scotland where they do not spell it with an E-Y. Um, so just a little, little fun fact to makers, Mark, I think everyone has seen this bottle on shelves for so many years and you probably never noticed it. So if you look at a bottle and again, we talked about what Kentucky means, we talked about what bourbon means, what the word straight means. It means you're aged for at least two years, right? Um, another little fun tidbit. If you say Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey, you know what bourbon means. Straight means you've been in a barrel for two years. Once you turn four, you no longer need to put an age statement on your bottle. So but this is a weird one. This is an archaic one, Go back to 1964. If you're aged for two years, you can put the word straight on it. If you don't turn four, you gotta put an age statement somewhere on your label. So I challenge you, if you pick up a bottle and it says, Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey, examine that packaging. Look, look to see if there's an age statement. If there's not, it means it's at least four years old but you can hide it. And I'm actually gonna call out one of our products, one of my favorite products, um, because here's a great example of a packaging that does do that. Because you, you, can, you can get a lot from a bottle's packaging if you know what the words mean and what the governance is over it. Again, small batch, that don't mean nothing. That's a marketing term. It means it's not a single barrel, it means it's not all of our barrels. It's a small batch. Old Overholt, one of my favorite rye whiskeys. Uh, straight. Rye whiskey, old overhaul, I love this stuff. But, rye whiskey, so rye instead of bourbon, so majority rye, straight, at least two years old. But this 86 proof non-chill filtered rye whiskey is three years old, but, we're sneaky, because you're allowed to be sneaky. It doesn't have to be on the forward, face, forward facing label. We hide it on the back. Three years old, small font, read the small font on your bottles. You can learn a lot from a label. And the reason I say that is not to call out one of our, I love that rye whiskey, I'm a huge rye whiskey. Well, oh, I'll
0: be font.
2: <laughs> yeah, right? But you can learn a lot from these from packaging. And I think there's a lot of misunderstanding, especially in American whiskey, because um, there's a lot of gray area. So if, if you pick up a bottle, you go, I know nothing about this. Look at the color. The color is going to tell you maybe how old it is, maybe the proof on it. Look at the words on the label. Turn it, look at the back of the label. You can infer and maybe learn a little bit about the bottle without opening it and taking a swig in the middle of the store. Not saying to ever do that, of course. Don't do that, but- You've had you people really arrested
0: off. for that, so, so you know.
2: Right, exactly. I'm not trying to get people arrested here. We're here to talk bourbon and have a great time. Um, so Maker's Mark, another great example. Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey, made in Kentucky. It is bourbon, it's straight whiskey. There's no age statement on this. We age our barrels to taste at Maker's Mark. I will let you know, that's usually right around the six-year mark. We rotate our barrels at Maker's Mark Six-story warehouses, they're non-climate controlled, just like all warehouse, most warehouses in Kentucky. The top floor is the warehouse, and the bottom floor is the warehouse. They mature very differently, very different air, um, moisture content, temperatures, airflow, all those things. At roughly the three-year mark, we rotate these barrels. So if a barrel is on the top floor, it comes down to the first. The, the the second and fifth floors rotate. Floors three and four, we don't move those. The idea is to make rotates around
0: the center. Right. Say it again. Rotates around the center.
2: Yeah, rotates around the center. The idea is that all these barrels hopefully are maturing as consistently as possible because at Maker's Mark, we're pretty much only making one product. That's Maker's Mark. So a lot of labor goes into creating the consistency and the flavor profile of of making Maker's Mark. Um, Bottled at 90 proof, again, roughly six years old, but we don't put a six-year age statement on it because sometimes the barrels are a little under six years when we dump them out. Sometimes they're a little over you see an age statement, it means it's the youngest drop of liquid in the bottle. You can't have a, a nine-year-old product and have, and have one barrel in there that was eight years and 11 months. You're breaking the law. Can't do that. So little maker's mark, a little dessert, a little softer, sweeter. I actually realized I was going to make a Manhattan. I think, it, did everyone get the ingredients to make a Manhattan?
0: Was that in the kit, too? Everybody, everybody got a bottle, and they got a, uh, cherries, and they got Antico formula. I, I have that you a little bread. bit.
1: Tim, have everything. Um, Massachusetts, well, Tim. we were just named the most snobby state in the country. Um, so we are rocking Antica Formula. I don't think you are. I apologize. I,
0: we couldn't. I, uh, I think everybody, mostly everybody, I think got a. Uh, also got some bitters too. And just oh, yes. not in their personality, they actually got a jar, a bottle of them.
2: I have everything. I realize minus ice, but fortunately, I don't live in a big apartment, so ices are right here.
0: Well, here, I'm going to, while he's gone, I'm going to tell you. So my thing is with you use a weeded bourbon, such as Maker's Mark is, I, I don't think wheat adds sweetness to the, ma- to the mash. I think it lets, it's, it's lighter and it gives more of a mouthfeel, but I feel it, it lets the barrel shine a little bit further through. And the sweetness that you're getting is actually some of the barrel characteristic and here's another thing that you can uh if you want to uh know one thing that maker's mark does that i had never heard of happening before but um but i know maker's mark does it is um in their the slurry that they put together with their their yeast they use hops in the yeast as a preservative well, that's cool. and oh. uh, so that there is actually hops going into maker's well,
2: hops, mark. hops is important when you're using um
0: uh, it's for yeast, yeast,
2: hops. You're using like a, a like a starter yeast, like a like a like a jug yeast, and hops are, is a is great food for yeast. So when you start off with a smaller batch of yeast, you want to feed it. Um, yeast, all yeast does is eat, multiply, and then get drunk and die. Like they eat, they have sex, and they turn into alcohol and shit, and they die. That's what they do. It's great life.
0: They fired CO2 life. and piss alcohol. There you go. You want to yeah, it's say it's a it? great
2: life. It's a great life. Um, but yeah, hops, hops is a uh, great fuel for yeast. So back to bartending day, few rules when you're making any cocktail at home, people go, Oh, cocktails they get a little nervous. Don't be nervous. It's very easy. The one, the number one tip I'll tell you, always start with your cheapest ingredients because if you make a mistake and you got to dump out and start from scratch, you don't want to waste the good stuff, you want to add this last, right? So, we're going to start with our cheapest stuff. Our perhaps,
0: you, perhaps you didn't hear we're using Antica formula.
2: <laughs> I, oh, I well, true. I think that's well, I'm not so no, well.
0: It's still okay, I've just teasing. and
2: we're using less of it than the bourbon. So, and I work, I like to do a few heavy dashes of Angostura because I like bitters. Um, I typically do a two to one ratio two to one, so two ounces bourbon, one ounce. I'll well, say with the Antica, the Antica is uh really, really big. I usually go about three quarters of an ounce of Antica to two ounces of bourbon because it is such a uh, big-bodied vermouth. Um, I'm using—I don't have any Antica in my house tonight. I'm using a different one, but um, I'm going to go three-quarter ounce. And also Maker's Mark. Nolie
0: Prats a good. No, Prats a good. One. We'll let that
2: one. And also being—you know—Maker's Mark being 90 proof, um, cut back on the vermouth just just ever so slightly. If you're maybe again even the Nobu with 100 proof, a little bit bigger. About two ounces of maker's mark. Um, Always stir it. Don't hurt my soul and shake your Manhattan. Don't do it. It it hurts me. It hurts me so much. Drop some ice in here. Um, Always, always, always a stir. I got a, you know, I got a stirring spoon, but if you don't have one of these, I don't know, use a knife, use anything. Just don't shake it. You just want to get a nice, nice stir. You want to dilute it a little bit. I usually, you know, if you guys have some nice ice cubes, I'll do like a, you know, what's this, 30, 30 seconds or so. Um, and I think you guys said you threw some cherries in there, which is, again, that is that is the classic, classic Manhattan garnish. Bada bing,
0: um, cherries. Say it again? Bada bing.
2: Bada bing, using the cherries. What I will tell you, it's not that creative, but I really, I love doing um, a lemon twist. I like a little bit of citrus on top of my Manhattan. So... I'm gonna strain it, uh, if you want to do it on the rocks, you can use you know, some, some of your, what we call dirty ice from the ice that you use to stir, or some fresh ice. Um, I like it in my little coupe here. I don't get to use these very often. And I like to just get a little bit of a lemon peel. And it's important that it's just the peel, right? It's not the fruit. I'm not getting any of the juice from this. It's just the peel. If you're gonna use a peel, whether it's a grapefruit or an orange or a lemon, it's like you're wringing out a bar rag. Right, so you get it and you just, you twist it and you can literally see the oils. You can see the oils leave the rind and they sit right on top um, of the cocktail. And then as you nose your your cocktail, like, oh man, there's so much citrus in that. There's really no citrus in that, it's just the oils. So it kind of tricks your palate and you're thinking, oh man, there's so much citrus in this. It's not a lot, it's just the oils on top. So a little, little bit of a, a riff um i just i like lemon peel so little little makers mark man with a lemon i will i will raise a glass i'll cheers to julio's tim greeley everyone on the call billy i see you bob what's up everyone felicia we appreciate y'all being here pappy's place i'm not sure if they can hear us there it looks like i mean is that a is that, can pappy's hear us they can oh but yeah they can hear us all right what up Pappies <laughs> nice work um, um Let me ask you a question,
0: Tim. The only other thing that I would say is, I I like the fact that Antico formula is coming in these 375s, and that's why we're trying to carry them. Um, How important and how long, because this is a big question, uh, and and you guys are here tonight, so I'm gonna ask it. How long should you keep your sweet vermouth before you feel it's going old?
2: um, I mean, keep it in the fridge. I keep my sweet vermouth and my dry vermouth in the fridge always. I probably open this 375 of vermouth. I mean, I've definitely had my vermouth in my fridge for at least a month. Um, I, I, I cannot speak very intelligent to be full full disclosure because I don't represent either one of those. I don't want to say how long they're going to last. I'll tell you, they in my fridge. I always, usually in a month, I'm going to go through right. a 375 right. or a 750. Um, cause I love, I love making Manhattans, but you know, if you get a three, if you get a three, seven, five, and again, you're using an ounce of it, that's about, about 12 and a that's half
0: 12. that's 12, 12. Yeah. About 12, 12, 12,
2: 12 ounces. So, you know, you do 12 Manhattans in a month. I mean, but I, again, I think it could last a bit longer, but I, I wish I could, I wish I had a, a, a
0: what, well, one of the things I tell people is because it, it's really not going bad, but it, it changes, it changes some yeah. people and some, and some people can Taste the change and other people can't. So what I usually tell people is um, when you, and it's a good way to do it since you just, everybody just opened up this Antigua. Try a little bit after you're done tonight, try a little bit on its own.
2: Just, just it. taste. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Just, just a little bit of a taste uh-huh. so that when you go back, I mean, you're, you're, you're probably, you're good within a month. Let's put it that way. But For after sure. that, you could t- now you could just taste a little bit of it and know, Oh, that's lost a little bit. Or that's, that's fine by me. If you can't taste the difference, it's not going to make a difference for you in your drink. So but that's one of the type of things that I always tell people. And they like, you know, if they say like, you know, I, I keep making Manhattan's now. I don't really like I don't like um, I, I want to move on because they don't taste the same. Usually half the time it's because you're just using old vermouth mm. and you really have it. You should be a, a fresher. So sometimes buying it, if you don't make manhattan's you don't use drinks that that use a lot of uh sweet vermouth then you're better off buying especially a smaller bottle of it um and having it taste right in your drinks
2: and i'll, I'll throw out real quick because i think sweet vermouth uh so many people just oh that, yeah manhattan's one of my all-time favorite cocktails um favorite cocktails it's a rye whiskey cocktail um it's called a vu caray gonna put it in the chat bar real quick um, I This was my yeah, this was my after a long shift at the bar, typically we would just be like beers and shots, right? 12 hour bar shift, beer and a shot, maybe a few times, maybe a few times more. Foqueraiss <laughs> were for me like my treat. Equal parts, rye whiskey, cognac, sweet vermouth. You can I mean Google, Google machine, right? You can find a bunch of recipes for this. A little bit of Bene, Benedictine. Um, and then two kinds of bitters, Angostura and Peychaud's bitters. I know it sounds complicated. It's not, it's like equal parts. It's very easy to make. It's another stir drink. Um, but we were talking rye whiskey. We were talking Knob Creek. We were a single barrel. The Knob Creek single barrel makes a great um, That's That's my still my all time favorite cocktail and not one I think that is on a bunch of menus but that was always just like one of those classics that you find a bar that can make it right. Or if you learn to make it right at home, and you can you want to impress your best friends, make them one of those. So another good one to, to put your sweet vermouth to good use as a Vucure.
0: Okay. Very good. I, I want to thank everybody for uh, coming tonight. Um, Bob has probably sent you out an email. For uh, next week's uh, Whiskey Wednesday, yeah. so check that out. It's actually uh, we have the owner of the company that's going to be here for uh, Zikaru because, of course, it's it's Cinco de Mayo, so we're doing we're Oops. getting kicking it old school uh, with with uh, some mezcal, uh, and uh, contrary to John Tafter it does not contain mescaline. It doesn't, and we'll go through that. Um, so it only sounds the same if there's nothing other than that. Um, so, uh, you're going to get a, uh, a email on those. So if you want to join us next week, uh, that's going to be a fun, we get got a lot of great whiskey Wednesdays coming up just so everybody knows what we're basically going to do. And I'll leave this on, uh, Facebook live too, is we planned on pretty much doing, um, virtual, uh, whiskey Wednesdays until, like the 4th of July. We had planned it. We didn't know what the government was going to do. We don't know what anybody else is going to do. I will tell you all that by uh, Monday, like May 3rd, uh, May 3rd or 4th, the entire staff here at Julio's has uh, gone through both of their um, vaccinations. Uh, We are fully, the store is 100% vaccinated. Uh, So anybody that that comes in, I don't care where you stand on that. You get vaccinated, don't get vaccinated. I don't want to, I'm not jumping into that, that puddle, but I will tell you this, that uh, uh, most people that have worked through the entire pandemic are getting vaccinated (laughs) Uh, where there's like no question about it. Um, So we, we actually will. So um, we'll hoping that by um, uh, mid July, we'll, we'll start doing the, uh, the hybrid, uh, Whiskey Wednesdays, where we'll we'll have some people here and people that f- still feel uh, safer at home. We'll also do the Zoom and we'll do a live. So I know Tim Tim. Uh, great yeah.
1: single barrel lunch.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I I know Tim wants to be part of that. So um, I'm sure uh, a, a great Jim Beam product uh, will 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 be occurring when we do that. Oh, yeah. So um, keep 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 that in mind too. So uh, until then, and uh, everybody, please uh, stay safe and uh uh and enjoy the the your uh little kit that you got from uh bourbon time uh that's what's great about the three you have a lot of a lot of uh play to work with now so thank you tim and tim for joining us tonight thank you everybody and we'll see you all real soon hopefully next week <laughs> <laughs> all right let me take it let me take us off facebook live